Well, hey, everybody, how are we doing today? Yeah? Oh, you almost convinced me that you're here. Hey, if you're in love with Jesus, let's give him a big shout of praise as we start in the message this morning. Can we do that? Come on. Everybody watching online, thank you so much for joining in. Apparently, we've done something to offend Mr. Zuckerberg. They don't want us streaming on Facebook today. Oh, my goodness. So we kicked all our stuff over to YouTube. So I know probably you guys that have been following the links and jumping back over to YouTube today. Hey, sorry for the confusion. It wasn't our fault. Hey, Zuck, why don't you lay off us and let us preach the gospel? How about that? What do you all think about that? So so we'll, we'll have our service on YouTube today. Sorry again for the confusion. But if you could, take that YouTube link and post it on your Facebook page, if you would, and help us share the word and get it out there and maybe let everybody know what's going on today. I think it's odd that Facebook would get a little rowdy with us today when today is the day that we are starting 21 days of prayer, focus on Jesus, and fasting here in this church. How about that? Oh, the devil be working. But he be working in vain. He's working in vain today. I'm so excited that we're starting that today though because I remember this time last year we started this and this was something new for us having a, a focused time of prayer on the Lord and and setting aside time to fast and I know a lot of people freak out when you hear the word fasting and you think well you gotta fast for 21 days if we that's not what we're saying we're saying hey this is a 21 day period for us to up our prayer and if God leads you to to fast a little bit whether that means you're, you're not watching TV, and you're using that time to get into your Bible and spend time with the Lord. Or maybe you hop off social media for a little bit and take that time and focus on God, whatever it is. Or maybe you go a day without eating, or you skip lunch, or three, you go three days or seven days, however the Lord leads you. The point is to set something aside that eats up time to focus on our relationship with God so that we can get closer to Him. That's what we're doing as a church over the next 21 days. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do because last year God changed everything for us as a church through our 21 days of prayer and fasting here. How many of y'all were here last year to participate in the 21 days of prayer and fasting? I love that because I see some hands going up and some not. You're here, the ones that the hands aren't going up, you're probably here as a result of the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we had as a church. We set aside time and we said, God, we don't want to just throw a plan on a piece of paper and then stamp your name on it. We want to hear from you because we believe at this church you should be able to listen to God. He'll speak to you and then you go and do what he says. And it should be just that simple. And we set aside time and we focused on him. How many of y'all remember the great things that came out of the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we did last year? We got a vision from God that blew us away. We were thinking, hey, God, speak to us and tell us what you want us to do for this year. And we'll go do it. And God said, I'm not just going to show you what I want you to do for this year. I'm going to show you what I want you to do over the next five years as a church. Remember when he spoke to us and he said, over the next five years, we were going to see what? We were going to see 2,000 decisions for Jesus. And we were going to see 1,000 people baptized over the next five years. And we thought, wow, that's awesome. And it's scary all at the same time because of what's going to have to change with us as we grow into the kind of church that can sustain that impact in the community. And God began to speak to us in different ways too. We thought, well, okay, well, if he's called us to do this five-year thing, 
And Lord, how do you, what, what are some action steps you want us to take in order to make this happen? And uh, the, one of the first things that hopped on our radar was that we need to get the live stream up for our church so that we can reach people that wouldn't come to our church normally and maybe grow that into an online campus. And so that was one thing that he laid on our hearts. The second thing was that we needed to up our outreach to the community. And one of the ways that he showed us we could do it was through our social media prayer outreach that we now have in place. But this time last year, this was just something that God was beginning to speak to us, you see. And he began to speak to us about how we were going to fund and put these things in place. And he, he gave us a green light on something that we had begun planning uh, months earlier and said, now is the time for the church to step out into the 12-stone vision plan that I have given, where we began to give to the vision plan above and beyond our tithes and offerings so that we would have resources available to use in the future so that we did not have to slow down in going after what God had called us to do. And all of those wheels started to catch, and we began to see God do so many powerful things and then our old friend COVID-19 decided to drop into the neighborhood. And we thought it was messing things up. Because we saw the income for the church dip down about 30%. Then it's down close to 40% overall with the total impact of COVID-19. But because he spoke to us to begin to set money aside for the future, and we were obedient to do it, even with that dip, we had resources available to launch our live stream ministry, which is going out on YouTube. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. We, we appreciate that. Going out on YouTube today um, and, and on Periscope and all these other places, reaching people that we would never reach. We've got our social media outreach going on where we are in the middle of this pandemic. People began to wonder, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? How are we going to handle all this stuff that's being thrown at us? And as they turned to God, they saw our face on social media with a quick little message that said, how can we pray for you today? Amen. God's timing is always perfect. I'm telling you, man, we have prayed for literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in our community and some of you guys are here as a result of that outreach ministry today and we've seen God heal people we've seen God heal and restore families we've seen God put marriages back together we've seen God miraculously heal people from COVID-19 we've seen God give people jobs places to live all of this stuff we've been able to see God do as we pray for the people in our community and watched him impact their lives through it all. We've seen people come to know the Lord. We've seen people connect to this church. And it's awesome all because we stepped out and did what he said last year. And all the success and all the powerful things that we saw God do are amazing. Did you guys know this? Last year, we saw the most people make decisions for Jesus than we have seen in this church in the last seven years. 131 people made decisions for Jesus because of the ministries of this church last year. Praise God for that. I thought I was preaching to a bunch of people that love Jesus this morning. 131 people made decisions for Jesus. The 131 people crossing over from death to life, from, from hell to heaven. That's awesome to me. Listen to this. Let me break it down further. That's every 2.7 days. Somebody made a decision for Jesus because of the ministries of this church. 
because we listened to God and we did what he said. Even in the middle of a pandemic, and, and we aren't the only ones. There's a lot of other great churches doing great things in the area because they listened to God and they did what he said. But I'm talking to us today. And I, I have to, to think, though, that probably none of that stuff would have happened if we hadn't taken time to wait on the Lord and to listen to his instructions for those first 21 days like we're doing this year. You know? There's something powerful about waiting on the Lord. And for some reason, he chooses to put this principle of waiting before him and waiting on him. He chooses to put it in his word and he chooses to put it into action in our lives. It's just part of God's plan is waiting. It is waiting. And in the Bible, um, in Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. It's interesting to me that it says to be strong and take heart before it says to wait for the Lord. You know, sometimes it's not so easy to put on the brakes and navigate through the conflict or the friction or whatever's going on in the situation to wait on the Lord to do what he said he was going to do. Has anybody walked through that before in your life today? Yeah. Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. Then he says, and in his word, I put my hope. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting for him to speak before I move. I'm waiting for him to open up the door to whatever I'm walking through to next. But the way that I'm doing it is that I'm putting my hope in his word. Because I know that God's word is faithful and true and never failing, and if he said it, then it is going to happen, and my hope rests in the fact that it is written and that it was said, not in what I see and not in what I hear, but in what I have heard from the Lord. That's what I put my hope in, and I think that's really key, because if we don't stay grounded in this during periods of waiting, whether we're choosing to wait before the Lord like we are now through going into the 21 days of prayer and fasting, or if life's just putting a situation in front of us where we're going to have to wait on him to work out the solution. The key's waiting. It's waiting. Here's a good definition for wait. Waiting is to not go outside of God's will to resolve an issue. Have you ever had a problem with waiting on God's timing and not stepping out of God's will to resolve an issue that you felt like you could resolve quicker and better yourself instead of waiting on him to to speak? Man, see, I I struggle with this sometimes, guys, because I'm I'm not naturally a patient person. My mom's here, and she can probably tell you that. I'm not naturally a patient person. I'm not a selfish person. I don't expect the whole world to revolve around me, but I've got this type A personality, and when, when I want something to happen, I want it to happen yesterday. You know, when I side and task, I give it to them, and I say, why isn't it done? 
You know, it's just like, let's move, let's go. There's just something else to do, you know. There's a problem, let's solve it, let's move on. And then this whole concept of waiting and being patient and sitting before the Lord and waiting for him to speak and give instructions on key moments in our lives. See, that's, that's something where I have to unplug that part of my personality and exercise the discipline of patience. Man, I just, I'm not a patient person. How many of y'all have ever lost your cool in a line before? Oh man, I lose my cool in line so many times and it's, it's because it's usually like um, either like in drive-throughs or mostly like coffee places or places like you know what you're going to get before you go into the place to get it. You know, like you roll up to Starbucks or some coffee place. I was there one time and this dude was in line in front of me, and there was like maybe five people in front of both of us, and they took the time to make their orders, stepped to the side. They made their orders, stepped to the side, and they got up to this guy, and he just stood there like a deer in the headlights. And I'm in the back going, bro, you're, you're just blowing this moment right now. You're wasting so much of, of your life and my life right now because you weren't ready to order. And so I'm cool, and I'm being patient, you know. And I think any second now, the words are going to flow out of his mouth. And I'm thinking, cool. It's Starbucks. They got coffee. And they got some hot tea stuff. And a few little snacks that are in front of you. What you want, bro? This is Starbucks. They got coffee. And a couple of other quick little items. What, what's the deal, bro? Nothing out of this dude. He stood blank, and the lady's like, can I take your order? Said it again. He goes, ah, just a second. And I'm like, second? What are you, you Starbucks! They got coffee and hot tea and a few little snack things. What do you, I'll order for you. I'll pay for it myself. Just move on, you know? Um, I didn't say that, but I almost did. You ever had those moments where you almost said something, then you called it before it came out, you know, and just put it back down? Um, yeah, I'm not naturally... Uh, a real patient person when it comes to that kind of stuff. Y'all are looking too holy this morning. Some of y'all can relate to that way too well, can't you? Yeah. See, I know who I'm talking to this morning. But, but the deal with waiting on God is to not go outside of his will to resolve an issue on our own. When I counsel people, most of the problems that I help people navigate through were created because they didn't take time to wait on God and they decided to blaze their own trail and make something happen, and they put themselves in a bad situation, then now we're going to have to sit down and figure out how to pick apart and navigate through to get to the other side. Business deals that we jump into before praying and putting it before the Lord, or new jobs that we take. You know, I always tell people, just because the new job gives you more money, it doesn't mean that you should automatically take the new job. What is that new money costing you? Well, it's an extra 10 grand, Pastor Josh. Okay, what is that extra $10,000 going to cost you? Because if they're paying more money, then they're asking for more something. Okay, you're trading it off in drive time. You're trading it off in responsibility, organizational weight. You're trading it off in time you had to commit to the project and take away from your family. What is that $10,000 really costing you? If I got to the other side of it and said, okay, you made an extra 10 grand this year, but you missed your kids' ball games. 
You missed a birthday. You missed some key moments in their lives and missed out on a whole lot of time that you're never going to be able to get back at the end of the day. Is that really worth the $10,000? You think they want ten grand? Do you think they want their daddy? Or you think they want their mama? You know, so you have to think through the immediate situation and weigh all that stuff and put it before the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And then wait until you have an answer. Most people aren't good at that. Sometimes I'm not good at that even now. Used to be, I way wasn't good at it. I mean, how many relationships have we jumped into in our past, in our former lives? How many relationships have we jumped into without even consulting and asking if it was God's will for us to go to that level in that relationship in the first place? How many broken hearts and hurt feelings and how many divorces and how many of this and how many, you know, and I'm just saying that all divorces are because of that, but, but how many times that we put ourselves in rough situations that we didn't have to be in because we wanted immediate emotional fulfillment instead of waiting to hear on whether or not God wanted us to even pursue that. You know, I used to have this dog and my dog's name was Maximus. Whew. Man, Maximus was, uh, was part husky and part Malamute. He had these clear blue eyes and this wolf look to him. He scared me sometimes as a puppy. He looked freaky. I'd come walking in the room, and he'd be sitting on the couch as a puppy, and he'd look at me with those wolf eyes, and I'm like, you're not about to jump on me and try to eat me. You know, it's a little bitty fuzzball. Well, he got bigger, and we had to put him out in the yard, and I figured out that I named Maximus wrong because Maximus was scared of everything. I should have called him Minimus. That's what I should have called him. He's scared of everything, man. A bird would fly by. He'd go running and back to the house. <laughs> we didn't have a fenced in yard, so we put one of those little runners from one end of the yard to the other and gave him plenty of lead uh, to be able to get around the yard in, you know, so he wasn't like punished to go back and forth all day. He could go anywhere in the yard, and we leave him out there. And this is the quality of dog I'm talking about, okay? I was drinking coffee at the kitchen table, and I heard, <coughs> that sounded like a dog. Drink some more coffee, and I heard, <coughs> now, that dog has got into something. So I go out there, go around the porch to where he is, and I had run an extension cord from the house to the shop. It was in the backyard, so I could work on some stuff in the back. And that dog had started chewing on that extension cord. And he was shocking the fool out of himself, but he wouldn't stop. So I walked out there and <laughs> quit biting the electrical cord, you know? So that's the quality of dog that Maximus slash Minimus was. There was one tree in the entire backyard. One tree in the entire backyard. And the leader ran from the house to that tree. And Maximus would go to this tree like clockwork every day. And somehow he would wrap himself around this tree until he could not go anymore. And he had just put himself right up against the tree, you know. And he would sit out there. I want you to feel my pain because I began to hate Maximus at that point. You know, so you'd go out and you'd help him back around, you know, and you'd un 
right the thing and he said don't do that anymore like he's going to understand because that dog thought process was like this Duh. that's all he could think Duh. that's all he was thinking all day long so go back inside and a couple of hours later guess what happened how did I know so I give me a break so I went out there again to set him loose and I thought to myself the second time, I wonder how many times I have done this in my walk with God. Where I have in my own stubbornness and stupidity wrapped myself up in the same scenario over and over and over again until I couldn't go any further on my own and just cried out for God or somebody to save me. And I think that's what we do sometimes when we, we don't wait on God. We put ourselves habitually in the situations where we just... Trap, we get trapped by what's going on until we have no point, no other course of action. Then you just scream out and cry out to God once again to come rescue us. How many of you have ever seen yourself do that in your past before? Man, and usually it's around that one thing. Whatever it is, it's that one thing, you know, instead of waiting on God, straight around, wrapped around the tree. We've got to wait on God. Waiting on God is incredibly important. Because there's a lot of things happening when we wait on the Lord. And I think that's why he has interwoven this principle of waiting. Whether it's on big things or little things, prayer requests, or we're waiting for, for new seasons of ministry or life or financial income or whatever it, what, whatever it is, relationships. These little, little seasons and larger seasons of waiting are all part of our lives because God likes to work in seasons of waiting. And one of the things he likes to do during periods of waiting is to work in us because I don't know if you've seen this true in your life, but I've seen it true in mine, that God desires to do something in you before he does something through you. He's always going to desire to do something in you before he does something through you. And I'll go a step further and say something for you also. Because he's got to make sure that you're strong enough to stand up during the new season of ministry you're about to walk into. He's got to make sure that you're responsible enough to handle the new blessing that you're asking him for. Because if he gives it to you and you're not able to handle it, it's going to be a stumbling block to you and it'll destroy you. And God is more concerned about growing us than he is about pacifying us and giving us everything that we want. Sometimes we have to wait and let God grow us. Let God work in us before we see God open the doors and give us the opportunities that we're believing him for. You know, a lot of times it has to do with us more than it does him. Man, Rachel was talking about the Super Bowl earlier. All I started thinking about was the food. I was thinking about all the food we're going to have. I, whether you like football or not, I'm telling you, you want to be at the Super Bowl party on February 7th because we're going to have a lot of games and a lot of fun going on, but there's going to be some groceries in the house for the Super Bowl party that day. So if you don't like football and you don't like games, I promise you, 
We put on a spread of food that makes the Golden Corral look like a taco truck around here. I'm telling you, we can put some groceries on the table. So there's going to be some great food, and I love food. I love cooking food and preparing food, and I like grilling food. How many of y'all like grilling food? Man, give me a good piece of meat to put on the grill. I'm telling you what, change somebody's life with a little bit of salt and pepper and a good piece of meat. I'm telling you, when you cook stuff, there are two things at play. You've got temperature and time. Cook something at a certain temperature for a certain amount of time, and it should be done. Now, I was cooking my wife's, I, I joke with her, and I don't, I don't make birthday cakes for my wife. I build birthday cakes for my wife because I'm a man and we build stuff. So I built her a cake or helped build her a cake yesterday for her birthday. In fact, if you get to see uh, Pastor Kelly today, if you haven't told her yet, Walk by and tell her happy birthday. Her birthday was yesterday. And tell her how young and beautiful she looks. Ah, oh, and then tell her Pastor Josh just wanted me to. He was just talking about how much he loves you and how beautiful you were in service. And it was just amazing. It inspired me. It just, just whatever you can do to help a brother out. That's all I'm saying. Okay, but um, so, so we're making this cake, and the timer goes off. Ding 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 ding. So, cake's supposed to be done. I open up the oven, and I do the little toothpick thing on the, t the cake, and it's not done yet. You ever had that happen? So, you close the oven, put it in for a couple of more minutes. Bing, 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 bing. Cake's supposed to be done. I open up the door, little toothpick. Cake's not done yet. What the junk? Three times. Three times. I put the cake back in and added more time before the cake was finally finished. And that alarm thing was beeping, but the cake wasn't done. You know? And I think sometimes we do that in our relationship with God, where we've got this little timer that's going off in our mind or in our heart. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, God, it's got to be done now. It's got to be done now. And God looks and he goes, nope, you're not done yet you got to go back in for a little bit more because I haven't done in you what I need to do in you. Like, no, 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 no. No, uh, the alarm went off. I have prayed long enough. It's about time for something to happen. I have a great idea on what we can do. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and make it happen because I'm pretty sure this is what you want to have happen anyway. Now, da, 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 da. We're not done yet. But the alarm's going, you ever thought you had a better idea for your life than what God had laid out for you? You ever, you ever had that before? The alarm's going off, the alarm, but it's not done cooking. He's not done working in you. And God is not going to, listen to me, he's not going to open the doors that you think need to be opened just because you think they need to be opened. He's going to open the doors when you're ready. And the only way that you can be ready is to sit back and wait on the Lord to do what only he can do in you because he's going to do something in you before he does something through you and for you. Because he's, he's more concerned about your development than anything else. Joseph's life in the Bible is a perfect example of this. Joseph was a guy in the Old Testament. Maybe you hadn't heard about him, but he was a kid. God gave him a dream. And in his dream, he saw his brothers bowing down to him. And he had another dream. And in that dream, he saw not just his brothers, but everybody and everything was bowing down to him. And in that day and age, you didn't bow down to anything if it wasn't royalty. 
So Joseph is prancing around. God gave me a theme and a vision, and you guys are going to bow down to me because I'm going to be royalty, and it's going to be awesome. God's plan for getting Joseph there. I bet if Joseph had a chance to draw it up, he would have said the alarm went off way, 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 way before God was through working and preparing him for what he called him to do. So the first step to Joseph accomplishing what God had called him to do was his brothers tried to kill him and they threw him in a pit. Well, that's a fun day. So how did God get him out of the pit? Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Royalty, slavery. The pinnacle of success, the lowest of low on a social ladder. So God's first step to get Joseph to where he called him to be was to put him as far away from it as he possibly could. Sound familiar? So how does God get Joseph out of slavery and out of the slave trader's hands? They sell him to a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar puts him to work in his house. Joseph takes on the responsibility and grows and learns and grows and learns, you know. And it's time for the next step for God to get Joseph closer to what he's called him to be and what he's called him to do. And along comes Potiphar's wife, and her name is Hotifer. And Hotifer wanted her a little bit of Joseph's. And she walked up to Joseph and propositioned him, and Joseph did not want to do the no-pants dance with Hotifer. Okay? So on his integrity, he says no. On his honor to God, he says, no, I'm not going to do it. He runs out of the place, and he gets accused of raping her. He does the right thing and pays the price for doing the wrong thing. So now Joseph's in jail. Ding, 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 ding. It's about time for all this craziness to be over. He's in jail. He meets this dude called the baker. He meets this other dude called cupbearer. And we don't know exactly how long they're in jail together, but they both have dreams. Joseph interprets both their dreams, and he looks at the, the cupbearer, and he goes, things are going to be pretty good for you. And he looks at the baker, and he goes, you're about to have a bad day, boy. Uh, Pharaoh is going to cut off your head, and then he's going to impale you and leave you out there for everybody to see. So you do with that what you want, but, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen. They both get released. Joseph stays in jail. The baker gets killed. The cupbearer goes back to his old job with Pharaoh. And before he leaves the jail, Joseph talks to the cupbearer. And he says, hey, bro, look, you're about to go back and hang out with Pharaoh. If anybody can get me out of this mess, it's Pharaoh. He's the one that can do it, all right? So when you're around him, hey, remember your boy. Put out a good word, tell him I can do cool stuff, I can interpret dreams, and I can do this, you know, and I'm, I'm responsible, and I'm in here, and I'm not supposed to be in here, I'm falsely accused. And the cupbearer goes, yeah, buddy, I got you back, no problem. Two years go by, and Joseph's still in jail, because the cupbearer forgot about him. Have you ever felt like you've just been forgotten in a season of waiting on God to do something? I know I have. God, why aren't you speaking? Like I think you should be speaking right now. The doors aren't opening, and I get that, but you should at least be talking to me about why these things aren't happening. You know, I, you felt forgotten and abandoned. 
And then Pharaoh has a dream. And you guys know the story, most of you. Pharaoh has this dream. No one can interpret it. And Pharaoh's in his court. The cupbearer's there. And he says, I got this dream. I can't interpret. Does anybody know of anybody that can tell me what's going on with this dream that I've got? And the cupbearer goes, oh, snap. Yeah, there's a dude uh, in jail. I forgot to talk to you about him. Uh, he, can, he can do all that cool stuff. So they called Joseph up from jail. And then one day, just a short span of time, he goes from having no possible path to where God has called him to be to stepping into the fullness of the calling of God on his life. The point is to wait and let God do what he needs to do in you and trust him through the process because doors open up fast when you wait on the Lord. Let him grow you. Let him grow you. Every single opportunity Joseph had to get closer or further seemingly from where God was putting him, it looked like a negative situation. It looked like things were falling apart. You ever walk through a season where you were waiting on God to do something and it just looked like everything was falling apart and pushing you away to keep you from walking into that? Now, a lot of times God uses negative situations to grow and develop us. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work in you so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Don't get frustrated in the process of God working on you because he's growing you into who he needs you to be. And when the time is right for the doors to open, the doors will open. When the time is right for the relationship to happen, it will happen. When the time is right to make the move in business, it will happen according to his plan. If you wait on him and let him work in you. And I've noticed during periods of waiting that while God is working on us and in us, it's always other stuff going on because God is always working on something larger than just you. You know, sometimes in those periods of waiting, we get focused on ourselves and we get focused on what's happening and we get focused on the hoops that we're jumping through and the way that God is growing us and working on our patience and focusing on him and letting him do all this stuff. We forget that we're just one piece on the board that God is moving to advance his kingdom. And we're a part of that, but we're just a part of that. We're not the entire board. But each move from each piece plays into what's happening with the other. He's always doing something larger than just us. Pastor Jeremy, could you come up here for a second? Angel, could you help me out for a second? Let me show you how this plays out. You guys still with me this morning? It's good stuff, isn't it? Man, I felt like God was taking me to school when he was giving me this message. I'm telling you. So, you've got Angel, you've got Pastor Jeremy, two pieces on the board. Pastor Jeremy, God speaks to him and says, hey, bro, um, I know you've been asking for some new equipment and some new stuff for the worship team. Um, calling you into a season of prayer and waiting, and I'm going to give you that but you need to wait for the time to be right. 
So Pastor Jeremy starts to pray. Oh, he starts seeking God. Lord, let it be tomorrow. Let it be tomorrow. Well, Angel is on her own journey. And she's working her job. But she's not, like, fully submitting her life to God because she's not giving the way that God calls us to give. So she's not tithing. She's not giving in the offerings. She's making okay money. God convicts her and says, hey, look, um, it's time for you to take a step of faith and to trust me and to begin to sow into the church, begin to sow into my kingdom and give me that 10% and trust me to do more with the 90 than you could do with the 100. And so Angel says, okay, I'm going to take that step. And it's a huge step when you take that first initial step to trust God with your finances. So she takes that step out in obedience to God. And suddenly she begins to feel something different. She notices, you know what? Clothes are lasting a little bit longer. Car's not breaking down as much. My money is going further than it used to. I used to just break even every month. And since I've been giving and trusting God, I'm, getting, I'm seeing an abundance where there was lack. It's amazing because on paper, this doesn't work out. But in God's kingdom, it does. And so God says, you've been faithful in giving. And because you've been faithful in a little, I'm going to make you a ruler over more. And I'm going to increase my blessing on your life. And he speaks that to Angel. And she goes, yeah, here we go. And then later that week, Angel gets laid off. Got to keep it real around here. She loses her job. God, I thought you said I had been faithful. And now, now Angel has to work three part-time jobs to make two-thirds of the money that she used to make. I thought you said a blessing was coming. I'm working three crazy jobs to make less money. And now she's got a choice. Is she going to wait on God and be patient and give him room to move? Or is she going to grab the reins and take over and try to blaze her own trail? Angel chooses to trust God. Pastor Jeremy's still over here praying for new equipment. Angel gets a call a couple of weeks later. She's been trusting God. She's been giving even though it hurts, even though she's making less, even though it doesn't make sense. She gets a call. She gets offered a job making three times the amount of money she was making at her former job. So she quits all her part-time jobs, takes that job, and now she's making three times the money. And God says, I didn't give you this blessing to keep for yourself. I gave you this blessing because you showed me that I can trust you with an abundance, and I know that I can trust you now to be a funnel to fund the advancement of my kingdom. Now, Angel's not just given her 10%. She's given above and beyond because of the increase that's come into her life, and she comes across Pastor Jeremy, who's been praying patiently and waiting for Angel to listen to God and do what he says. Pastor Jeremy's been waiting this whole time, Pastor Jeremy says, man, we got this need. I know God's going to provide. I don't know how he's going to provide because we don't have it in the budget. And Angel says, hey, God's been good to me. How much do you need? And he says, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, okay, I got that. Here's blah, blah, blah. Boom. 
two pieces on the board, waiting patiently for God to do what he said. But they're both impacted by what each other does. See how this works? It's not just about us. God is always doing something more. Always doing something more. Give them a hand for helping me out this morning. So, he's always working on more than, than just us. That's why I say that waiting is an, an event in our lives. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So, we all know what it's like to have to wait on the Lord. We all know what it's like to have to wait during seasons where sometimes it's not fun to wait. Have you ever felt tired and worn out during a season of waiting? It's got like tired of waiting. I've been waiting, I've been waiting. I have. I have. I want to give you something that's going to help you with waiting on the Lord. Okay, I'm going to give you the key to it all. If you haven't taken notes on anything that I've said so far this morning, you guys watching on YouTube, if you haven't taken notes on anything yet, take notes on this. I'm about to give you the secret, the secret to give you what it takes to wait on the Lord. Okay, you ready? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It reads like this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Feeling tired, feeling worn out in a season of waiting. How do you renew that strength? You wait. What? You did all that build up to tell me the secret to waiting was to wait? You guys think like I think when I read that, I'm like, here it is. Those who wait on the Lord will renew that strength when we're tired of waiting. And it's, 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 but how do you get strength to wait from waiting? It's like one big circle, like a dog chasing its tail. How does, how does one fix the other? It's how you wait. It's how you wait. We think of waiting as an exercise of patience because we're going through something negative in our lives. And that kind of, that perspective kind of puts a shadow on the process. And what Isaiah is saying here is that if you wait on the Lord, that word wait doesn't mean wait like we would think wait. The word wait means to be expecting, to wait expecting, to to be sure of. It means to be hopeful of. And that changes something. If I'm in a, seri- a, a season where I'm having to wait, and he says, you don't just wait, you wait from a perspective of hope. You wait on the Lord expecting him to move. You wait on the Lord, hopeful that he will keep his word. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Y'all think about my kids. A small child is the most impatient being on planet Earth. Every year at Christmas, when we hit December 1st, my little girl, Abby, she'll start asking me, Daddy, when's Christmas? It's not Christmas time yet. 
We've got a few weeks before Christmas. Okay, okay. She gets this little light in her eyes and she's thinking about Christmas. We get to open presents. Christmas, we get to have fun. Christmas is going to be awesome. She'll ask me a couple of weeks later, Daddy, is it Christmas time yet? Not yet. She doesn't lose that little light in her eyes every time. Okay, how, how long is it going to be? Just a few more days. Okay, okay, in a few days we get to open presents and we get to have fun and we get to, yeah, yeah, in just a few days. And she's not getting frustrated with waiting because to her, Christmas is awesome. See, Christmas isn't, to her, Christmas is is more than worth the wait because she knows what's waiting for her and in her mind the presents are there and the fun is there and we're just a few days away from it her focus isn't on the wait her focus is on how awesome Christmas is going to be and this is what Isaiah is saying don't focus on how much you're having to wait focus on the goodness of God focus on the hope that what he said would happen will happen and it's just a matter of time and if you will put your focus on the greatness of God and the process of waiting with that perspective something will come over you have you ever been in a worship service or a church service where you've gone through a stretch of life where you've just been beat on and you come limping in after a hard week people have been rude to you life hasn't worked out and you just kind of limp into service because it's just been beating on you and you take a breath and you just begin to focus on God and you begin to worship Him and you begin to lift Him up. Isn't it amazing that when you put your focus on Him, if you had this happen where suddenly you weren't tired anymore, suddenly you weren't frustrated anymore, suddenly you began to get excited because you were focusing on God and you experienced a renewal inside of you and where you had nothing in the tank, God filled you up to overflowing and now you've got joy where you had frustration, now you've got strength where you were tired and beat up before. This is what He's talking about here. If you will put your focus on God, He will renew your strength through the process of waiting. Oh, praise God. It doesn't just stop there, though. He says, now now that we've laid the groundwork on that, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I love that. I love eagles one of my favorite creatures have you ever seen an eagle soaring in the air there's something majestic about it you know the bible says that if we get our focus and our perspective right in the time of waiting that we'll mount up on wings like eagles what in the world does that mean when you think about how an eagle even begins to fly they gotta start out flapping their wings and when they're soaring they're kind of working their wings a little bit when they move their wings, they're meeting, they're met with resistance in the air. And they're able to take the resistance of the air to push themselves higher. Until they go from where they launch to a place where they're soaring. And they're using the oncoming resistance of the air to sustain their flight. An eagle can soar for hours without flapping its wings because it's using the resistance to glide and to fly. And this is what what he's saying here, that if you will put your perspective on God, listen, that stuff that's been coming up against you, that stuff that's felt like resistance in your life, if you will put your perspective right on God, 
He'll show you how to work those wings and use what's coming against you to rise up to the calling, to rise up to his standard, to rise up into the fullness of his power, to rise up above your situations and your circumstances. He'll show you how to use what's coming against you to propel you higher and further. And he says, if you get that right, you're going to fly above it and resistance isn't going to push you down. It's going to lift you up. He says, they will run and not be weary. Seasons of life where you're running back and forth to and from those busy seasons where one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, and you run and sprint and, and you, you handle stuff long enough, you begin to become winded and tired. And he says, no, 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 no. If you get it right, I'm gonna renew your strength. I'm gonna lift you up like an eagle. When you're running, I'm gonna be right there to give you that second wind so that you don't miss a step because your focus is on me and not what you're having to wait through. Then he says they shall walk and not faint on that long journey where people like to tap out and say, man, it's been, it's been a little bit long. It's been a little bit more longer than I thought. I think this should have gone. And he says that he will come to you moments of weakness and renew you and renew you all oh, these are powerful promises why do you say all this pastor Josh because God is calling us as a church into a season of waiting before him and I wonder if we're going into this season from a season of waiting on things in our personal lives you gotta learn to wait the right way